Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So what would you call a bi-week baker? The summer of baker? I guess it's the fall of baker now. Baker Mayfield, during the bi-week, was everywhere I looked. He was on Jason Light on a podcast, you know, that Jason Lice mentioned him prominently with Peter Schrager. Uh, he was on the Rich Eisen show. And then I turn on Pat McAfee on Friday. He's down at the Cotton Bowl with, uh, with the Pat McAfee show. But on college game day for the Oklahoma-Texas game, the Red River rivalry, he is the guest picker on college game day. This has been Baker Overdrive. And what better time to be Baker Mayfield than when you're 3-1 and one and you're one of the top passers in in the nfc if not the nfl and surprising the hell out of everybody and oh to boot pretty good weekend his oklahoma suitors beat texas in one of the best college football games i've watched in a while steve that was a great game oh my god that was absolutely fantastic to watch that's everything you love about college football absolutely you know great fan bases great rivalry back and forth game and yeah baker mayfield loving every minute there on the sidelines as well he should. Um, he, uh, <laughs> so in- invariably the question comes up, and of course they were referencing Jason Light's comments on Peter Schrager's podcast, which, you know, Jason was effusive in his praise, but also mostly talking about, oh, he's just a good dude. He's just a, he, Baker's just a dude. Like He's got moxie. He, He's got moxie, but like he takes guys, you know, he took he took his his guys to the Bahamas, you know, during that week between the end of training camp and the start of the regular season. And they went down there and they golfed. I guess it was three of them actually. I think it was three linemen, Gedeke, uh, Tristan Wirfs, and I'm not sure who the other one was. Um and then uh and he's like, you know, and he'll go to dive bars and like you know drink with other guys like you know Mike Evans I'm thinking okay have I heard the word dive bars lately <laughs> what is is this a is this a term we still use because to me dive bars were bars that you literally had just got di- diving out in the ocean they were bars on the beach but uh perhaps that's where they are I don't know um cuz I've frequented one quite often on St. Pete Beach called the Swigwam people will be familiar with that um so yeah, we and Baker is a dude. We know that he was like the Pied Piper as soon as he got here. You know, his offensive lineman was his guys, and they you know they were following him around like ducks and and all of that. Um, but the one thing that's clear, like just to hear him talk about Tampa Bay, and of course Jason had mentioned how Baker targeted the Bucks as much as they did him, if not more so. Um, first of all, I would say this about that: there wasn't that many starting jobs available. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, I mean, here's the thing. If you go back and look, other than if you eliminate the teams that had high draft picks that were absolutely going to take quarterbacks like Carolina, right, like like Indianapolis, like Houston, if you take those out of the equation, there weren't that many teams that had an open competition. I mean, Tom Brady retired, so obviously Tampa was a destination for somebody if you're sitting here with only Kyle Trask on your roster. So that there's that. 
And and not for nothing, but there's still some pretty good pieces here left over from the Super Bowl in other years. And so who wouldn't uh, want to come here? And then Baker played in the NFC South, so he was familiar with what was on the other sideline. Um, but that aside, like, it has really been – and I was thinking about this the other day. Like, it, it could not – aside from the Eagles game, which, of course, they could have won, but the Eagles, we'll get to this in a minute, they're the best team in the NFC, not named San Francisco. Um they're really, really good, and Jalen Hurts is fantastic. I watch them again, and and I just I marvel at what they do. Um, but you know, other than that, that one hiccup, it it just couldn't have gone much better for Baker Mayfield. You know, with a new offensive coordinator, new offense, new teammates, new city, and you can tell that there is a maturity about him and an appreciation about him um, that. He can't be more complimentary of Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, the organization, the players on that team, the fan base. Um, you know, he he truly is at peace, and well, he should be because he feels like he's found a home. Now, it's it, and he is the first one to say this. It's really early. You know, the same people that buried him, Steve, are going to be saying, "Well, watch out for Tampa." Eh, it's four games in. <laughs> I wouldn't watch out for him just yet. Well, but they are flexing their games now to 425 on a Sunday this week against yeah. the Lions. And, Gosh and, darn it. Whose idea was that? Yeah. I, that just means a later podcast for me and you. That's true. That's true. Hey, yeah, let's, let's, let's stop this now. What are we uh, doing? But, you know, is, look, when we in the offseason, we talked about Baker Mayfield was probably the best choice Tampa Bay had. I think so. They weren't going to be able to afford Derek Carr or right. quarterbacks in that price range. You didn't want Sam Darnold, per se, because, mm-hmm. you know, who had Sam Darnold? Todd Bowles, and it didn't work out in New York. I, I think there's a lot of things that lined up here, and, and yes, he targeted Tampa Bay because it was one of the few openings. Mm-hmm. But it was also, okay, they're bringing in a new offensive coordinator. They're going to change the offense some. And so when you do that, you can tailor the offense to the guy you got. True. You know, Dave Canales isn't, you know, you know, we saw what happened when Tom Brady came into Bruce Arians' offense. That was a struggle at first and they had to change oh, a lot yeah. of things and yeah. it got to the bye week and finally they said okay we're going to run more play action we're going to do more of what tom's done in his past mm-hmm. you know coming into this situation baker mayfield gets to come in and dave canales gets to set up an offense that fits his strengths and and fits the strengths of the the, the people around him as well and yeah and, you know, and you know i i think that that's not an accident that canales and and mayfield are married up and that mm-hmm. you know in this offense, there's a lot of bootlegs and waggles and rollouts. And, yep. you know, that was going to be the thing that it was always going to fit Baker better than it would fit Kyle Trask. Although I think Kyle Trask did a really good job of sort of changing his body and adapting to what Canales wanted to do. Um, but it really was tailored for Baker. The other thing, and, and, and this is, you know, like McAfee is, is pretty funny. I don't know if you watch his show very much. He's wildly popular. Um and, and but he has a way of sort of like he started reading Baker's resume, and I'm here to tell you like if you didn't know sort of what went on in Cleveland, if you were just going to say okay, you know this dude walked on at Texas Tech, got the starting job, walked on at Oklahoma, uh, was the uh, at Texas Tech he was the 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 Big Twelve Rookie of the Year, uh, walks on in Oklahoma, he's the Offensive Player Rookie of the Year two times, he's you know he's this he's that. Uh, wins, you know, wins a big 12, like, uh, you know, wins a Heisman trophy, uh, first overall pick in the draft. Like you start reading this dude's resume and from where he came from as a freaking walk on. Okay. And then you go to yourself, well, wait a minute. 
why was everybody predicting failure for a guy who has done nothing but achieve, right? Nothing but achieve. Now, yes, there was some very, you know, immature moments maybe in Cleveland at times, but geez, look at the organization he was dealing with. You know, they were one in 31 when he got there. And in the third year, he took him to a playoff game, beat the Steelers, and had the Kansas City Chiefs on the ropes. Almost made it to an AFC Championship game his third season. All the coaches, et cetera, uh, got traded late. You know, all that stuff happened, and yet the guy is still got his head on right. He hasn't. He's not. He's not lost his confidence. He's not been destroyed with all his experiences. He's actually kind of matured through them all, and and he's a better quarterback for the Bucks than he ever was for Carolina, for the Rams. Or you know, or even for the Cleveland Browns. So, like this has been, we we always thought it had a chance. And it's, and again, it's four weeks. Like if I told you, because I watched the games on Sunday, um, if I told you that the Bucks are going to go out there on next Sunday against Detroit at four twenty-five and get the absolute dog knocked out of them. <laughs> In other words, the Lions are. First of all, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know. The Lions are really, really good, and they're good everywhere, right? They can run the football when they want to run it. They mm-hmm. can absolutely play defense. This Hutchinson, too, <laughs> you know him, right, Steve? Yeah, one what, one hand interception today. Oh, my God. This guy is unstoppable. I mean, he's unbelievable, and it's going to be a great battle between him and what, Tristan Wirfs probably, I guess? Yeah, for the most part. Um, and wherever else they want to move him, I suppose. But he's unbelievable. And, and then, you know, uh, they they basically can do they they got running backs they're deep at receiver, like they've got the whole deal going and they're four and one by the way, and they're not coming in here to lay down for the three and one Buccaneers man. This is going to be a tough tough physical game, and if I told you the Bucks after Sunday are going to be three and two, and basically tied or maybe even a half game behind. A couple of other teams that didn't have a bye week yet, like Atlanta, you know, Atlanta won, New Orleans won convincingly, shut out the Patriots. Then you'd be like, mm, okay. So, you know, it'd be like one of those, what if I told you? And then they got Atlanta at home, okay, which could be for first place in the NFC South at that point. Uh, and then you and then you go to Houston and then Buffalo. Now Buffalo didn't make a very good accounting of themselves across the pond. And got beat by Jacksonville, who was two and zero over there. By the way, if you're if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, can you just move to London now? Because you play so much better over there. Well, this was the <laughs> grand weird. experiment this week, right? I mean, this is the go over and play two games. Yes. The first time the NFL has yes. done that, and they're two and zero over there. Because if, if, or I shouldn't say if, when they expand, when, thank you, to Europe, there's uh, going to be multiple teams, whether it's two or four, right. And you will go over there for two weeks or a week. A couple or, weeks. You know, yeah. you're not going to go play one game, come back. No. No. Um, you know, it's going to be that go over and, and play two, three games, whatever it is. And that's what yeah. they're testing now. So, yeah. And, and, and I the think NFL is going to go to a new location next year, according to Roger Goodell as well. Yeah. What did I hear? Uh, did I hear Spain? They've been talking Spain. Yeah. I've heard Spain. Um, Germany's been a wild success for them and yep. will continue to be so when they get back to Frankfurt and, and the places are going this year. Our friend Sarah Walsh is going to be over in Frankfurt, I think, for a couple of weeks because uh, it's it's not it's in it's there uh, this time. Yep. Um, yeah, and so I, I mean, look, I I've always said this: Jacksonville is going to be the team that's the first international team. They will keep a, a they will keep a training facility here in the states, so when they play in the states, they'll have a place to practice and 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 
but their home games will be London, I think, in short order. And you know they're kind of they're kind of edging that way already, playing two two home games over there a year in back to back weeks. The grand experiment, as you said, and it didn't phase them. In fact, some of their players said they were having been there a second week, like they were much more prepared to play. And it showed. Like Buffalo just didn't look like they ever got out out of their starting blocks. Like they were just in mud, you know. And it was. Towards the end of that game, they started to play a little bit. But that trip can get you. You know, it, it really can. I mean, it, you, you just, you know, you have trouble adjusting to the time. And, and I think Jacksonville was just a much more rested team and just looked like they were ready to go. Um, but getting back to Baker, everything he has done to this point has been exactly what you would want him to do. And he's handled it with humility. He hasn't been, you know, uh, sort of like in your face about things he has, you know, and he knows too that this can turn really quickly. And I'll say this too. One final thing about Baker is this. uh, And I've talked to a couple of his coaches. He needs to stop putting himself in harm's way. You know, this, this, this style of play that he has where he's like an offensive lineman, you know, he's going to lower his shoulder into people. Yeah. You can't do that, man. Like you just don't want to be that guy because this team, it's too value. He's too valuable for his football team, and I'm not discounting maybe you know what Kyle Trask could do if he has to play. But your starting quarterback is your starting quarterback, and maybe he's not Tom Brady, and he's not one of those guys yet. But at the end of the day, like he's the reason, a big reason why they're winning, and so you don't want to you know run football and when you get to the sideline, lower your shoulder or dive for that first down. If it ends the game, maybe it's a judgment call, I suppose. But, like, he can't be taking hits. And so I would say, and I know the Bucks coaches have told him this, hey, get down or get out of bounds. Like, stop doing this because we need you to play 17 games and then some, we hope. So without that, without him staying healthy, um, this might be something where we look back and go, yeah, he had a really good month, you know. Uh, I was watching um, – uh, Indianapolis, I was watching the Colts. Well, I watched mm-hmm. the Red Zone, which is the greatest invention ever. Yes. Uh, and hats off to Scott Hansen. I don't know how he does it. But I was watching C.J. Stroud, and they had, a, they had a designed run play for him. It was basically a power, you know, with the guard pulling in front of C.J., and it was, a, it was a run call, right? Well, guess what? Got drilled into the ground on his right shoulder, and he left the game. And, and I don't know if it's, if it's a clavicle. I haven't heard what the result of this is. But it's not good, man. He's going to miss time. And and maybe he's out for the year. I don't know. We haven't heard. But, like, if you're going to run your quarterback, this is what happens at this level. This is not college football. And you may get away with it for a while. Hell, Cam Newton is one of the biggest quarterbacks I've ever seen. Guy's the size of, a, of an outside linebacker. And he ran it many times. And they ran power with him. I remember Mike Shula being his coordinator. And he went 15-1 and won and won an MVP. But eventually, and in not too long, he started having shoulder problems, and he started having arm problems, and he got you know he got rocked as a result of it, and I think it affected his career. No question about it. I mean, that, that's the whole reason Tom Brady, you know, has learned particularly when he lost a whole season essentially. That's right. Like game one to a knee injury. He's like, I'm not going to take those hits. It, mm. It's more important for me to be here every game, even if I lose today. If I lose next week too, mm-hmm. like it's better off if I'm here playing than not playing. Than not yeah. playing period. Right. This yeah. play, this quarter, this game, this series. Not worth none it. of that. No. None of that matters. 
in the bigger picture of things. Right. He'd rather lose two games than lose a season. And mm-hmm. that's, that's just how you have to think about it. And if you don't think about it while you're cognitively, you know, and I know it's, you know, it's a, it's a physical game. And Baker's one that said, you know, I've always loved the physicality. Of, yeah, that's great. You know, just stop it. Okay. Like stop, understand your team is three and one. They need you to play a whole season. They need you to, to continue to be what you've been up to this point. And you're not going to be that guy if, if you're, if you're taking shots or, or, you know, trying to run through people. So, all that is 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 something that the Bucks coaches believe me because I've talked to them are talking to him now about that because they're a little nervous, you know. And of course, he had the one bad hit, and it was wasn't really his fault. He got bent up, and then they they had the roughing the passer call. Somehow he got out of that. I'm not sure how he did it, but he was bendy enough uh, to avoid that injury. But um, as far as like he could not have been more complimentary of the franchise of where he's at in the headspace. He's very happy, and and what he likes about it is is that it's just ball down here. Like, it's just about winning. It, it, to him, he said it felt like Oklahoma, you know, where everything was fun. It was about winning. And of course, winning is fun, and when you do win, you tend to have more fun. And I've always said that you know people that talk about change the culture. Well, winning is the culture. You know, you got to win, and that's how you you change it. And so uh, they're doing well, and it was it was quite a. Uh, it just felt like this was the week because the Bucks were on a buy and he was available for interviews and different things. That this was the week he got the most attention. Now, well, and one, one is, more one more point on Baker. Yeah, yeah. And for all those who put money on this, remember mm-hmm. when he was the number one odds to be benched at the bye week? <laughs> it's right. Oops. I mean, pretty much across the board in football, it was viewed as yeah, first quarterback benched. He yeah. will be the first one benched. Yeah, I bet that's why they those hotels have those lights on and all those sparkly things inside of them because people take those bets and they were wrong. I I didn't – I'll say this. like, and, and some people have said, well, Stroud, you know, you're just always so negative. I think – and I'm not – I believe I picked it for the paper. I think I had them 9-8 and eight this season, but – and maybe they'll end up worse than that or maybe a little bit mm-hmm. better. I'm not sure, but right around in there if they play – if they're healthy and they play well. Yep. Um, but that said, like the, to me, they were always a much better team than people gave them credit for, because I, I looked at it and, and you just kind of go, well, first of all, there's the division and I think Atlanta's improved. And today we can get into this. Desmond Ritter showed me something like he brought his team back down the field when he needed to with throwing the football and, and the Falcons came back and, and, and beat Houston. Um, the saints got right, but they got right against a team that can't score. Right, the, the New England Patriots are absolute trash right now, and I don't know what happens to Mac Jones, but he's terrible. So I'm not, I'm not really sure about those two teams. They're going to hang around. They're not that much worse than the Bucks. Uh, if not, we don't know what Atlanta is. They're going to play them in a couple of weeks. But I've always, I always thought, like just looking at the roster, like, and then when I saw the young guys, like I was so impressed with the young guys, Christian Isian and you know uh, Trey Palmer and, and these guys that are playing big roles and big minutes. Um, you know, Cody Malk, I mean, they had a really good draft, and we haven't even seen the number one pick. Like, Kalijah Kanzi, I promise you people, if he's healthy, he's going he's gonna to be a big factor in this defense, which is already playing pretty well um, and has some pretty good players on it. Now, they're not deep. They can't sustain many injuries, especially the secondary, um, but they're playing well. And so I, I just – I looked at the personnel, and I've done this for a while. I'm just like, why do people think – the reason they thought they would be bad, Steve, is they lost Tom Brady, right? Mm-hmm. They won eight games with Tom Brady. So if you take Tom Brady out of there when he had five comebacks, 
then clearly they're going to be way worse. And there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. You know, like you can win with a lot of quarterbacks, right? Like you don't have to have, and, and there's only one greatest of all time, and he won a Super Bowl. What he did will never be equaled, in my opinion, at that age for, for him coming here during a pandemic year. Like what Brady did is unbelievable for the three years he was here. And that's why he's the greatest of all time. End of conversation, full stop. But having said that, um, you can win with a lot of quarterbacks. The best team to me in the NFC, and we'll find out by the end of the night, but they're leading the Dallas Cowboys 21-7, are the San Francisco 49ers. Their quarterback is who? Brock Purdy. Even the 49ers passed on him until the seventh round. To, no, to the final pick in the draft. Okay? And they got him. And he's he's not lost a regular season game, like ever, <laughs> in the NFL. And and so my point is, is that you, it's a team sport, right? It's the ultimate team sport. And you have to have... You know, you have to have guys at every level and every position, and, and it's sort of like a collective thing. But if, the, but a lot of quarterbacks can win if if the if the supporting cast around them is good. And I think that they're getting a Baker Mayfield at the perfect time in his life, at the perfect time in his career. He is fighting for his career. He is fighting for his financial future for sure, um, having lost or maybe not unaccounted for twelve million dollars. Um, of his of his life savings uh, and you know so so he, he's highly motivated he's been through a lot of things and he's with probably the best football not probably but is with the best football team he's been with since Oklahoma so why wouldn't you think you can make this work especially with a new coordinator Dave Canales that tailors it to his skills so I think for all those people that are national pundits or whatever that had the Bucks, you know winning three or less games all year now see them at three and one, all took a step back. I saw a couple of men in the locker room, some national guys um, on from ESPN. I think both of them were from ESPN. I won't name names because it doesn't matter. And they were like, wow, didn't see this coming. Well, yeah, you wouldn't because you're up in the group think of Bristol, Connecticut, right? Like you're not here. You're not. Well, they never paid attention to Tampa Bay before Tom Brady got here. <laughs> exactly. And they're not, they're not paying attention after Tom Brady left. That's a great point. I mean, it's Tampa, right? It's not. If this were the Dallas Cowboys with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, they go, yeah, I could see them winning the NFC, NFC East. Yeah. NFC East, they'd be the Super Bowl champs. <laughs> well, it's the yeah, Cowboys. That too, that too. I really believe that Baker Mayfield, I saw him in Oklahoma. He was, Baker Mayfield's maybe the toughest guy I've ever seen at quarterback. You know, you just Jerry would just be selling it, and everybody would be lapping it up, and he'd have the star in his helmet, and it'd be good. Um, but but it's you're right, it's Tampa, and we can't have nice things. So we did for a while with Brady. Let's see if we can have him with Baker. But the main thing I would say about Baker is, man, now you can go back to doing fewer interviews, but also just protect yourself. Like don't don't take this to extremes. Because I'm telling you, the Detroit Lions. Them dudes got some bad intentions, man. That's a really good football team. I'm I'm kind of excited. You know, the people of Detroit have waited a long time for a football team. Mm-hmm. So they've got one now. And they got a they coach really... that matches that city. Oh, it's perfect, that, right? You know, and, and that team matches his personality. I mean, it's oh, molded it's right perfect. after his personality. It's, it's fun to watch. The Lions, man. after generations, finally got something right. It's just fun to watch. I'm glad they're in it. And they're and they're not like listen. I would say this that like right now I would think that there's two teams that are going to win one of two teams are going to win the NFC it's going to be Philadelphia or San Francisco. I just that's just what I believe. 
It wouldn't surprise me if one of those two teams are playing the Lions in the AFC Championship. Like, it would not. Uh, let's um, not forget the Lions went into Kansas City and won in the opener. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And and everybody thinks that Kansas City is the best team in the AFC. Right? Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. And, you know, the Bills, I mean, they're they're shaky. Like, yeah. No, I, Detroit's built to last for the entire season, and, and they're off to a great start. And that game... The orange sickles, you know, this is cream sickle week, folks. So get your cream sickles out, uh, and that game is going to be that game is going to be great. Which is why they flex it to four twenty five. So hopefully it'll be a competitive game, but um, it's a great matchup. All right, so uh, we're going to talk a little baseball. Have <laughs> you watched any of the playoffs? You seen these results? I've seen yeah. the results. I've caught a little bit, but yeah, it's hard with the Rays out. It is hard, and 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 I. I can appreciate why Rays fans is sort of like I'm over it. Cause I gotta be honest with you. I didn't turn on many games. I've been following it though, like on Twitter and social media and stuff. It's been pretty funny. So we'll get to that in just a minute. First, I want to remind you guys, you know that it's still hurricane season in Florida. Well, it is, but there's still time to keep the power on without breaking the bank. And that's getting solar battery backup power from may electric solar. Now with solar battery backup power, there is no fuel cost. There's no loud generator noise. You got no annual maintenance costs. Plus may electric solar offers a 15 year warranty. Solar battery backup can save you hundreds of dollars each month, and if you lose power, a generator could cost you over $2,000 a week just to keep your house running. New solar battery systems qualify for a 30% tax credit, or you can add a battery to your existing M-Phase solar system. Trust the pros in solar. To learn more about May Electric Solar Battery Backup or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. Just quickly on the baseball, since I mentioned it, we can get to college football, which is the other thing that I kind of focused on a little bit over the weekend. So you're saying there's a team that won, I don't know, 99 or more games in the American League East, pretty much cruised, you know, overcame all the adversity, uh, you know, got to host uh, a team like the Texas Rangers, say, uh, in a couple games in a series to try to advance, and they got smoked the first two games. (laughs) Uh, yeah, not the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. How about the Baltimore Orioles? Oof. Yeah, but at least the Orioles scored. They did score. <laughs> they got down a lot, but they got they yeah, did yeah. come back and I mean, score yeah. some runs. I mean, what they get eight on Sunday, but you know when you yeah. give up eleven, that doesn't. Yeah, they were down work. eight eight to nothing, I think, or eight one or something. But yeah, they did. It's more entertaining brand of baseball. I'll give you that. But just nonetheless, they're down o two in that series. O two. Now they got to go to Texas for the next two. Yeah, that's not in a the good best place of five, to be. So. What if it turns out that the Rangers going to win the American League, represent the American League in the World Series, and what if they win it? Like, would that would that make Rays fan or Rays nation or the Rays themselves feel better about what occurred? I suppose if you lose to the champs, it's better than losing to the team that lost to the team that lost to the champs. Right? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Exactly. Like if the Rangers went and got swept in yeah. three games, and it would be like, oh. I mean, let's not let's not forget the Rangers should have won the AL West. Oh yeah, I mean, they, they blew it the, the last weekend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're a good team, but right. But well, it was they're just, hot. It was just disappointing. The Rays, what the seven straight playoff losses now for the Rays, three straight exits in the first round. Yeah, like that's tough. Yeah, a total of what two runs in the last yeah. two playoff series or something like that. That's really bad. Um, but you know. I, here's what I think about baseball, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of these. It's better than a one-game playoff play-in or whatever they want to call it when they expanded the playoffs. But, like, to me, it's not even the teams that won the divisions or were the best teams all year. 
certainly you own home field advantage when you win the pennant and stuff like that. But it's it's how who's hot. It really is about who's hot. And what's funny about that is the Rangers have been hot all year, and then they go to Seattle and they 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 blow the division, and they could have been steamed and picked ticked off. And I'm not. I think the Rays kind of gave away game one. I don't think the Rangers did much to earn it. Four errors will do that. Yeah, I mean, they just kind of, you know, they showed up and, and the race handed it to them. But but after that, like, you know, it's funny. It's like they're playing. They got a little streak going. They got a little momentum. They got a little wind in their sails. Um, and that's kind of what it's about in the postseason. I guess it's like that with every sport. But, like, you got to kind of be one of those teams that gets hot at the right time, you know. And and not for nothing, too. The guy that that I know that everybody will talk about is just progresses – um, is Bruce Bochy. I mean, he. there's not many Hall of Fame managers, but this dude has three World Series rings, and now he goes to Texas, and, he, and he's got this team on the brink of playing for a, an American League pennant. Like, that doesn't just happen with anybody, right? Like, he's a special manager. And, and I think while the Rangers have a lot of talent and they've done well, it speaks to what he's about, you know, and just how he can kind of cut through the chaos and the – the BS of the postseason and get his guys to play. So um, certainly Kevin Cash wasn't able to do that. Okay. He was not able to get his guys prepared. These these guys played the worst game probably they had played all year and, and, and just looked tight throughout the whole, the whole two game series. So, um, but not, not, not Bruce. I mean, Bruce kind of, he's in control. He's got these guys ready to play and they're doing well. Um, Saw Emma Longoria hit a home run. I think Mm -hmm. he became, this is a weird stat. The oldest, player in the playoffs to hit a home run on his birthday he's 38 years old now so, yeah i mean he well he made that great catch in the the wild card round too. that's right that's right um at 38 still getting it done there yeah and and the phillies the phillies are the phillies because they have absolute studs right uh in the lineup and guys like bryce harper who is like becoming one of the better or one one of the best playoff hitters and clutch hitters in, in baseball. Now, he's been special since the time he was what? The SI did a story on him when he was like 15. Um, but, like, they just got guys who just don't care. You know, it's like, eh, pressure? What pressure? Watch this. And their fans are rabid. They're going nuts. And they feed off each other. Like, that's how you want to play in the postseason. You want to, you want to be brash. You want to get up there and hack. Um, you want to get big hits and grand slams and all this stuff. And, and boy, when, when this last couple of years, the Phillies have just played great. You know, they've, they've just, they play the game the way you're supposed to play it. Well, and they're, they're a team that last year got hot at the right time. I mean, they were the last That's team it. in the playoffs and then ended yep. up going to the World Series. Yep, because they're not afraid of the moment. They had mm-hmm. nothing to lose. Maybe it was because they barely made it and maybe they felt like, well, we're playing with house money. But, like, they play as if they they don't have a care in the world. They're just out there enjoying the game, enjoying the moment. That's kind of what you got to do. You got to kind of forget about everything and let it go. But, uh, but the Rays weren't able to do that, so that's why they're sitting home watching the Rangers. And Eric perhaps. Deander and Peter Bendix, they have their uh, end of the season wrap up press conference this after or this morning, I think. So, okay, so well, we'll that'll be, that's always them. good to listen to. Yeah, you know, now last year I believe it was this press conference when they talked about needing to go get bats. Yes, particular left handed bat. And, you know, that was the priority over the the off season, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they started the season red hot. And <laughs> everybody's like, they didn't need it. But you know, we kind of talked about this throughout the season. And, and the shame of it for Rays fans is their pitching staff had injuries all year long. Yep. But their hitters, Jose Siri was on the aisle early in the season for a short stint. 
Brendan Lau, mm-hmm. I think, had two short stints on the IL. Yandy Diaz a stint. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, they were healthy. Right until? Until the last month of the season. And, you know, by the time you got to the playoffs, we know Yandy was hurt. You lose one. Jose Siri just came off back. Field stuff. Siri, yeah. Siri wasn't ready to play, yeah. and I think right. he cost him game one, to be honest with yeah. you. Luke Rayleigh was out. Brendan Lau yeah. was out. I mean, yeah, you just start going hurt. through the lineup, and it was like, you know, you you lost. And then with Juan Franco's issues, you lost too much from that lineup. I agree. The last, like, they used to have a, a, a deep lineup, one that, uh, you know, carried through the number eight hole or so. And then once those guys went out, you're really looking at three or four hitters that you're worried about. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of them, you, the rest of them, you could get out. And so they they didn't weren't able to lengthen the lineup after that. So that all that, listen, all of that factored into it, especially offensively. They just didn't hit. And but if that were just a one year wonder, then we would all say, okay, well, maybe maybe it was just mm-hmm. too much, too many injuries. But this has been the thing for the last three postseasons, and it's now a trend that you know they they just don't get it done. And so you start talking like we did the other day about. Um, analytics and whether this is something that works for 162 games, but not in the postseason. Like, you know, there's so much there to un- unwrap. But at any rate, the Baltimore Orioles have not found life very easy against the Texas Rangers either. If that makes anybody feel better. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, let's talk about college football. Uh, what was it that you remember about this weekend that you take out of it, Steve? Was it uh, Florida getting the business handled like they needed to against Vanderbilt? Florida State, eh, could have played a little better against Virginia Tech. We got got things done there. But what happened to USF, man? Yeah, that was disappointing. I mean, you're on the road, but it's it's not a very good UAB team. But you gave up 600-plus yards. Oof. But the running back had four touchdowns, quarterback threw for four. You lose 56-35. Goodness gracious. Um, Byron Brown what, rushed a 60-yard touchdown to open the game a minute and a half in. That's what I watched. I turned yep. it on. So I had like the cluster on uh, on YouTube TV, and they yep. were one of the games I was watching. And I was like, oh, they're off to a good start. Oh, they're playing UAB. Oh, they'll kill them. Because Trent Delfer, you know, had gotten into a rage on the sideline last week or whatever. And and so I, then I, I, let, I forgot about them. And then when you told me today that like, oh, yeah, they got hammered. <laughs> like, What? What fifty six? You can't give up fifty six. Did they give up fifty six at all last year? That uh, team was terrible. I'm not I'm sure. Not sure they, I'm not sure they gave up that many. But if they did, it was not. You know, this is not what you would have expected, especially after they had a pretty good showing against Navy, right? Yeah, I mean, like I said, and you and I were talking before the the we started. If you'd have lost this game, you said okay. I mean, you know, it's a road game conference. Oh, it can you happen. It was their first conference loss, you know, right? You know, we know that you know South Florida's it's it's better than they've been in the last few years, but you know they're not an elite team at this point. They're getting better, like a lot of the things you see. Uh, they're making some mistakes, but learning through those. But they never quit fighting, etc. But to give up six hundred yards to you, you didn't give up that much to Alabama. You didn't give up near that much to Alabama. I know. Could you get them back on the schedule? Maybe play them <laughs> twice. 
What the hell? Of course, Alabama, I'm convinced that Nick Saban was not playing his starting quarterback for a reason because he wanted to tell all the people uh, that uh, wanted to look at the other two quarterbacks, okay, all right, you want to see them? Okay, here they are. Because we'll still beat these guys and play those crappy quarterbacks, and I can prove to you once and for all that the guy over here on the sideline is our best quarterback. <laughs> and, he, and he was, and he is, and he's he's moved on since then. Um, so, you know, and and uh, the uh, uh, the best game in college football, that Texas-Oklahoma game we talked about a minute ago, was yeah. great. How about the former UCF quarterback? Bill Gabriel. Yeah, goes into the transfer portal and – is just nails, man. Like that guy, that dude. I mean, when you consider what Oklahoma lost, right? Uh, at quarterback and at head coach, for that matter. But for for Gabriel to go out there and play and have that drive, that moment where he had to take his team down, what like a minute twenty five or whatever it was, and and get him in the end zone. That was a major, major drive on the biggest stage in the biggest game that he's going to play in in college football. I thought that was fantastic. It was, and uh, you know those. That's those are the moments you love in college football. Oh, great! That great. game right there. That the you know everything about that game and the way it played out and two good teams. The the momentum shifts back and forth in that game. Mm-hmm. It was that was incredible. That's that was a fun one to watch. It was fantastic. It was well played, and and like I said, right down to the minute. And then I almost stayed up to like what would have been two o'clock in the morning. So I'm watching USC. And they're playing a very mediocre Arizona team, and they're losing. And it's kind of back and forth. And I just want to see Caleb Williams for a while. Okay, first of all, unquestionably the first pick in the draft. Okay, it's not even and to me. I know people talk about other quarterbacks, but I think Caleb is the is that guy. Their defense is horrible. SC's defense is awful. They couldn't stop anybody. Lincoln Riley's never had a defense. I know, but I mean, can you recruit a defensive player? Like, you've got the greatest quarterback and maybe the best offense in the country, and. This dude has to go to triple overtime and run one in on a two-point conversion to win the game against a very mediocre Arizona club. So I, I don't get it. But but I'm a I'm like if you tell me, you know, is is Williams better than Bryce Young or better than some of these other first overall quarterbacks the last few years? Mm, yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> He's the real deal, man. Like. And it's going to be interesting, too, because, you know, the Bears finally won a game, and, and I don't know who's going to finish last in the NFL. Could be the Cardinals, right? Could be could be the Bears. The Bears have a first pick anyway from uh, who they trade down with uh, last year, Carolina. Carolina. And Carolina is it hasn't won a I, game. I think, so. I think going into this weekend they had picks one and two in the NFL draft. Yeah, I think you're right because Carolina's last. They're, they're winless. So, you know, Carolina, you could have that pick, whatever. But it, but if they have that pick, like if they get, it, then you can say what you want about Justin Fields, and I don't think this is his fault. I think it's his coaching, to be honest with you, because Fields has actually put up like 800 yards the last two weeks and about seven touchdowns and no interceptions. But um, you have to, you, to me, you have to take Williams. Like he just seems like he's going to be that dude. Like he seems like he's just a different guy, and he's got all the skill in the world and. Uh, Certainly been through some stuff, so we'll see. We'll see where this goes with USC. With that defense, I don't think they're going to go very far as far as national titles and things like that go. We'll see. I think Oregon's better. Uh, I think it's possible that uh, that uh, Washington could be better. You know, um, there's there's a number number of good teams in in what is now what the Pac two, Pac four, whatever. Well, the Pac two is what Washington State and Oregon State. Yeah, that's all that's much. left. That's all that's left, but. Uh, as far as like the last year goes or whatever, um, 
Yeah, SC, I, I, I don't know how much farther they're going to go. But it was a good week in college football, yep. and everybody can get off Billy Napier's back. He did what he had to do against Vanderbilt. Matt Baker. <clears throat> um, but we'll talk to Matt later this week. Talk a little college yep. football on Thursday. Bucks back in action today. Everybody, Baker Mayfield has to make his way back from Texas, Austin, wherever he is, and come back. And uh, they will have a kind of like a bonus practice today, this morning. And we'll get a chance to talk to uh, Todd Bowles and maybe a couple of players. Mm-hmm. And then they're off on Tuesday, and they'll be back getting preparing for Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday for the Detroit Lions. That is on Sunday at 425, new starting time, in case you have tickets or not. Um, what else we got this week? Oh, well, the, the Tampa Lightning. Lightning start up on Tuesday. Yeah, their final practice will be this morning, and they'll have uh, a morning skate before a 530 puck drop on Tuesday, early one. Part of the national triple header. Yes, they're the first game of the NHL season, so. Yeah, how about that? Uh, but uh, interesting moves on Sunday for the Lightning. By 5 o'clock on Sunday, you had to have your waiver uh, players on waivers because you have to be down to 23 players on your active roster on opening day, and which mm-hmm. has to be submitted later today. Okay. The Lightning have to keep Andre Vasilevsky on the opening night roster for cap and reasons. That's, is that salary cap thing? Okay. Because they're using Brent Seabrook's money for LTIR, they need Vasilevsky's salary, which is nine and a half million a year. They need that on the salary because where your what your salary total is on opening day is the the number you get for the season in the cap. So he has to be on the he'll be on IR, but not LTIR, not long term. He'll be on IR. So, but he takes one of the twenty three spots on the roster. Okay. Because of, for salary cap reasons, which means you can only keep twenty skaters now instead of twenty one. Mm. Normally you have two goalies, but they have to have three goalies on the roster. Mm. So if they want to keep 13 forwards and there's a battle for the final you know, forward spot or two, the 11 of your forwards are determined. Your 12th, and then if you want to back up 13th, is between Alex Barry-Boulay, Walteri Merrilla, and Austin Watson. Merrilla mm. does not have to go through waivers, so he most likely will start in Syracuse. And they can call him up later. So uh, it looks like Alex Barry Boulay and Austin Watson, although Austin Watson's on a PTO, they could sign him but wait to sign him until after game one. But if you're going to keep 13 forwards and you only have eight, you cannot have eight defensemen. You only have seven. So the Lightning put Zach Bogosian on waivers on Sunday. Now, they also put Gabriel Fortier on waivers. Fortier most likely will clear waivers and start the season in Syracuse. It'll Bogosian be interesting. It'll be interesting not, if Zach Bogosian gets picked up. I, I assume the Lightning are hoping he'll clear waivers, send him to Syracuse, and then at some point call him back up or have him ready in case of injury, etc. But there's a likelihood he could get claimed by someone, a veteran defenseman, not making a ton of money. Right. So it'll be interesting. So Zach Bogosian's day, another one of the Cup winners from the Lightning, may not be on this team. And they could claim a goaltender, right? They, well, that's the other thing. The players, you know, players are going on waivers today. If they find a goalie they think is better than either Jonas Johansson or Matt Tompkins, who are their two goalies right now, they could send Tompkins down to Syracuse to start the season and start a different goalie. So, and, and right now, I mean, Jonas Johansson would figure to start at least the opener and be their guy. So, mm-hmm. like, is there any consensus over just like how he can hang in there for this if he has to for two months? And you know, well, I would say if that. you if you watched him in the preseason. 
and, and the games weren't televised, so if you're there or if you watch the web stream, he looked really good. Okay. Like, he he impressed. Better I, than I'm, maybe I'm, they expected? I'm not a goalie expert, but when I talk to guys like Phil Esposito and Bobby the Chief Taylor, who yeah, they was know a goalie himself, they were, they very, they were very impressed with the way he played. Now, okay. preseason's different than regular season. Yeah. You weren't facing full lineups of NHL guys, although, you know, as Dave Michigan pointed out, you know, Johansson was facing guys like Matthew Kachuk and Philip Forsberg and, you know, I mean, you know, it wasn't all scrubs that you're playing. Right. Um, so, but Jonas Johansson does have some NHL experience. The other thing about these goalies that they don't have a ton of NHL experience, but these aren't spring chickens. I mean, they're 27, 28 years old. We play a lot of hockey. Johansson's yeah. been a backup for a while. Matt Tompkins been playing in Europe. Yeah, they know, they're play not. A lot they're of not hockey. a twenty-one, twenty-two year old goalie, right? You know, so and, and you're looking to you know keep above water for two months. So, but if if there's a goalie out there that the Lightning feel is an upgrade, they might take a flyer on one, or maybe which, just a maybe just a one B. Yep. You know what I mean? Like if, if they're not really sure about Johansson, yep. maybe they. They have some guy that they can go with, feel yeah. comfortable, can hold hold the fort. I mean, it's really – I think the other part of this will be like how well knowing they don't have Vassy, right? When you know you got that guy back there, you tend to play a different way maybe. Maybe maybe yeah. as, as a whole this team will be better defensively because they'll have to protect the guy a little bit. You would think their attention to the details on defense right. would be better. Right, That's what I meant, yeah. yeah. That, that's what you're, you're hoping that's for. That's what you're so. banking on, you yeah. know. It's going to take everybody and not just, you know – Vassy yeah. stopping the breakaways. But the know. one thing to note is the roster that will be released, uh, I believe, later today, as far as their opening night roster, the roster come games two, three, or four are going to look different than what it does tonight. Okay. Once Vassy goes on LTIR, then now they can bring another person up. But it could mm-hmm. be changing two or three people out because there's some salary cap ramifications. Like I said, they're trying to maximize and have the biggest cap number on the opening day roster. Mm-hmm. I think last year they signed like PC Labrie to a contract, and he was on the open night roster, didn't play or anything. But it was to get that number; they were within like seventeen thousand of the highest number they could be, mm-hmm. something like that. I think there were teams that even got closer than that. But yeah, it makes sense. You're trying to maximize that, and then you can make adjustments because because what you said at opening night is what you get for the rest of the year. Makes sense. Makes sense. I got to get my TV fixed. I got a bunch of TVs. You know, this is like champagne problems. I'm sorry I'm bringing this up, but like the big one went went spritz on me. I can't believe it. All right, like Devin. it's three years old. Right? I got champagne problems. I know. But like it's hockey season. And the only way I can watch hockey is on a big TV because to me, hockey's one of the worst TV sports ever, right? Where's the puck? Where's the puck? But these big screen TVs now make you feel like you're on the ice. It's really great. So. That's what I got to do because it's hockey season. And I want to see Tuesday. I'm not going to be. I don't think I'm be in the arena. There's a chance we okay. go, but I don't think I'll be there. But opening night's always fun. No, there's going to be all kinds of activities down. At, uh, they're starting activities at one o'clock down on the plaza. Yeah, well, it's five thirty game. Yeah, right? including yeah. a free concert by Big Boy. Big Boy in the house, baby. Yeah, about three, three, three fifteen ish. He'll go on right, nice. and then he'll perform till doors open. There you go. Yeah, but there's all right. kinds of uh, stuff going on downtown. Uh, drink specials, food specials, closing sick. off a couple of the streets, come down. So, hey man, I don't have practice to go to. I should just hang out. There you go. Come on down. Buck, Bucks don't have practice on Tuesday. Yeah, come you're gonna join. be down there. You're gonna be down there all day. Well, yeah, of course. Okay. 
Maybe I'll come down for a little while. Hey, the weather's supposed to be fantastic, by the oh, way. Oh, man. The, oh, how great was the weather today? <laughs> I'm telling you, I was on my bike, brother, and I rode 16 miles, and I don't normally ride 16 miles. <laughs> but the wife said, "Let me. I'm going to come with you. I'm like, hey, do we need to do 16? But um, it was so pleasant. Uh, I just This is why you pay the price for the other 10 and a half months. Yep. Um, to get the now the cold front's only gonna last till Wednesday, and then then that warm front's gonna sag back up. But then yeah. behind that is another cold front or cool front, I should say. So yeah, I was on might, the, uh, I was on the baseball diamonds at eight o'clock coaching, and I was that like, had to feel great. I forgot my pullover. I'm like, well, it's a little chilly out here. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. I'm on the bike in a t-shirt. I'm like, woo! But it felt it felt good oh, to feel was, cold. I wouldn't. I wasn't yeah. complaining. Just no, no. <laughs> Just realizing you could use the sleeves the next time you bring them. Although the kids, the kids were like, "My fingers are cold." <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. One of Who's... one of the kids, you know, they're eight years old, and all of a sudden, you know, they're in the middle of warmups, and he just goes, "Well, I think we've entered the chilly season." <laughs> the chilly season. <laughs> God. Okay. What is he like? Uh, the raise raise closer. He can't feel his fingers yeah, or something exactly, like that. Exactly. Exactly. So. Jeez. They kind of played like that. Well, you know, that's they're eight years that's old. That's a different so, story. Yes. Yeah, they're only eight. Yeah. So you know, the Rays, the Rays didn't play well this month either. So, what can you do? See. All right. Well, we'll be back, uh, of course, as we always are, to uh, talk about whatever goes on on Monday. The Bucks again back at practice. You got the uh, the Lightning ramping up for Tuesday's opener. So, plenty to talk about as usual. <clears throat> Thanks for listening. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 